This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 13 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, Smooth Stride Jeans, and Casual Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. Today, we're going to talk about the white elephant in the veterinary clinic. That's right. We're talking ulcers with the famous Dr. Siemens. Jamie is going to give us some training tips, and we answer some of your listener questions. Marcy Grushalak joins us as our RRP spotlight rider to talk about her thoroughbred makeover horse, and we bring you another fabulous new vocations adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, the makeover is in just a couple weeks. And remember, people, you have just a couple days left to get your final entry in. Your final entry form is due August 15th. So if you haven't got that in, you better get to work. It's coming up soon. And of course, we would always like to thank our sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products, for being our title sponsor of the show. And let's hear a little bit from them right now. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. love to bring y'all information related to the racehorse. And of course we have our favorite, I mean, he's kind of our official show veterinarian, our official on-air vet. And we have Dr. Madison Siemens on with us. Hello, Dr. Siemens. Hi, so good to talk to y'all. Wow. Did we wake you up out of bed or something? (laughs) No, I'm an early riser. (laughs) Okay. Well, what we wanted to talk to you about is, you know, so many times you get a horse off the track and so many times there's something wrong with the horse. And if you go online and you look up anything, uh, 99.9% of people will tell you, you know what your horse has? Everybody say it together. Ulcers! (laughs) So is that... Do they have all what 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 is the story here, Doctor Siemens? I am pretty sure you're a fairly opinionated person about this. Go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been reading my mail. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you know it's it's really interesting. We 
when we when we first had the the first of the really really long endoscopes, they have to be about nine feet long. We started diagnosing lots of gastric ulcers, and and uh, there's been a couple of pretty extensive studies looking at that, and and apparently the the thoroughbred racehorses have a very high incidence of gastric ulceration, and this kind of spills over into now, you know, anybody any horse that's a little cinchy, a little bronchy, a little colicky. I mean, this 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 is kind of the disease du jour. Where uh, you know everybody's got gastric ulcers. Well, it, it it is pretty common, but it's it's certainly no more common than it was before we invented the endoscope. So yeah, there are some things to consider, but it's I I think that this is a diagnosis that is that is overused. So how many racehorses would you say have ulcers? Let's just focus on racehorses right now. Coming off the track, I would imagine that it, the incidence of gastric ulcers is pretty high because of the type of lifestyle that they live. So some of the study, published studies show that uh, upwards of about 50 or 60% of these horses are, are affected to some degree. If your horse is affected, what are some of the telltale signs? Just about anything. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, 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 typically, it will be sort of a mild, insidious uh, colic that doesn't go away. Also, we've seen horses that were a little cinchy. You know, we go ahead and, and uh, tighten the saddle up on them, and they get a little objection to uh, to being cinched. And it's just there's just pressure in that area, a little in front of the stomach. But apparently, in these horses that have ulceration, if we treat them uh, successfully, and they quit being cinchy, so it's 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 kind of a evidence based or an outcome based medical procedure at that because you know, we treated them and they got over it so that's definitely part of it unthriftiness you know you're feeding a horse and you're just not looking very good but mostly it's uh it's these these gastrointestinal gi types of symptoms that we're looking at that will give us a, a, a clue of what we're doing okay uh, it's, it's the inter- interesting part about this is is that it's not only the stomach gets ulcerated but the right dorsal dorsal colon can get ulcerated as well. And that's a bit more difficult to diagnose. Well, let's talk. Why did, why do these things become ulcerated? Man, that's a $64,000 question. I, <laughs> I, I, I do not I know win. why. And, and the, uh, well, it's, it's really interesting. There's has been a fair amount of discussion about different diagnostic techniques and to try to figure out what's going on. And, and of course, the, uh, the endoscope is the gold standard. But there's, there's enough evidence out there to suggest that perhaps some extent of ulceration throughout the entire GI tract might be a relatively normal occurrence. And so, in other words, at, at autopsy, horses that have died from something other than, you know, GI problems, we can open up their GI tract and they actually have an evidence of ulceration. and not necessarily been a clinical entity. It hadn't bothered him. There's no no report of him bit bothering him. So just because there are some erosions uh, along the lining of the of the stomach or the intestine doesn't necessarily mean it's a pathologic event. Interesting. So Dr. Seems, I have a question. Why do we see it so often in thoroughbreds? Like that's the go-to of the ulcer prone horse compared to other breeds. Well that's that's a question that nobody can answer and it just it appears that well you know stress gets gets blamed for everything mm-hmm. this is very very difficult to define we can 
we can spill into my private practice. And I don't do racehorses, but yeah, I see a pretty good incidence. I wouldn't say a good incidence, but I would say a reasonable percentage of my colicky horses respond to ultra treatments. Interesting. So and- my, the, the average backyard horse doesn't really exhibit a whole lot of stress. But mm-hmm. your typical thoroughbred racehorse is, is put in a box stall. And it's mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, very, very low fiber, very, very high calorie type of a ration and, mm-hmm. uh, and not work very much. So, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a, a recipe for disaster when we start doing that to these horses. And I think okay. like a lot of things, and I'm not picking on a thoroughbred horse or thoroughbred people, but like a lot of things, many of, of, of the problems that we have with horses are man-made. Okay. Gosh, not the truth. Well, yeah. the horses have people problems. That's the, that's the truth right there. So exactly. what is, what, you know, I've had people tell me all sorts of magical ulcer cures. Most of them re- are revolve around amiprazole and, you know, the products that we all know, GastroGuard and UlcerGuard, but that seems to be, you know, different dosages and different amounts and they cost different things. And then, you know, then there's a trickle down effect all the way to like buying amiprazole from Costco and putting that in your horse's feed. So what what's the treatment? What do you recommend? And what well, should we steer clear of? Well, it, that's that's a very interesting question. So it's it's kind of hard to answer. I think there was a time when when I think there was a lot of horses who were getting imiprazole, and that's the that's gasprogard or ulcergard, the same thing. And it's the same drug. It's it's Prilosec for people. All right, it's a it's an it's an antacid. And this goes this goes way back. This goes back to the eighties. We started looking at antacids, uh, sort of accidentally. There were some studies looking at antihistamines and their effects on everything and found that they actually elevated gastric pH. And the first one of these was Tagamet. It was called Cymetidine, and it was an antihistamine. And so we started using that for gastric problems in horses early on, you know, forty almost forty years ago now. And then the next the next level, and that worked pretty good, but you had to give it four times a day. So mm-hmm. the next level was a drug called ranitidine. This is also another antihistamine, but it has GI effect. It, it affects GI situation where it doesn't it uh, doesn't allow the, the so much of the acid to be produced. So that elevates gastric pH, and it's a way to to take care of ulcerations. The next generation is what we call a proton pump inhibitor, and those are PPIs, of which uh, which Prilosec or Amiprazole is is V1. The good news about that is it will elevate gastric pH for 24 hours, so you only have to give it once a day. Bad news about that is, and this is now just now coming out, is that those proton pump inhibitors do a lot more than just reduce acid, and so there have been some pathologic fractures associated with the use of, of the proton pump inhibitors. And there's some class action lawsuits right now that, that the ambulance chasers on late night television are, are using to uh, to go after some of, these, some of the companies making these drugs because people are breaking bones, they're getting brittle. And I, people I and horses yes, or horses. Yes, yes, absolutely. Both of them. Okay. So I think wow. I think long long term use this is probably not the best thing we can do for the horse. The studies that that have been out right now looking at at calcium absorption on horses that are on amiprazole for sixty days are giving us some mixed results. One particular study, a pretty large study, 
is showing that it doesn't affect calcium absorption, which may affect bone pathology. The other study says that it does affect bone absorption, of resorption and a nutritional absorption of calcium, which may well affect the basic strength of bones. So it gets real complicated. What I do in my personal practice is that I will take these horses if 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 I know for a fact there or at least I'm suspicious if that's what we got, is I will start them on that on that course for a few days. And then what I do is I like to get them on a more natural type of a feeding schedule. I think part of the mm-hmm. problem is that we only we feed them twice a day in many settings, and yet but that gastric acid is still being pumped out 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. In the wild, a horse will eat about will graze about 16 hours a day, and so what happens is 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 the act of of chewing actually creates saliva and salivary buffers that get swallowed, and that's what helps to keep that pH from being causing a problem. So for my horses, I will go ahead, my patients, I will go ahead and, and start them on a course of either a Miprazole or a Renitidine because it's a lot cheaper, but you got to give it twice a day. And then, and then hang a slow feeder for them. I like these, I like these nets that have these real tiny holes in them. The, the slow feeder I use has only has holes in it that are about, oh, about an inch or so across. And the uh, horse looks at you kind of funny because they know that it's going to take a long time to eat a flake of hay that way. But the beauty is that we've got those salivary buffers working because the horse is chewing in a more natural duration during the course of the day. Once we can get these horses eating on a regular basis, more you know, more during the course of the day, we can wean them off of the antacids. And I generally treat my patients only a couple of weeks. And once we get them on that on that schedule, then we don't see them again. Wow, that's fantastic. So. Now this is this is to tie all this in and please if this is an inappropriate question for this time of in this episode let me know just by saying I'll pass um it's how many of the horses at Santa Anita were on a miprazole we've had a record number of breakdowns at Santa Anita is there anything to like pinpoint that or is that just like I said a ridiculous question there's, if, you go, if you go on the backside of most racetracks in America, I would argue that a very high percentage of horses are on the Miprazole. Mm. And, and, you know, we, we're not picking on the thoroughbreds. We, mm. we've, we've been training out of a bottle for a long time. Everybody wants the, the next magic fix, you know, something out of a bottle rather than really get into the source of the problem. And so this really begs the question because this, this is the this is the potential perfect storm here. Larry, Larry Bramlage did a did a very interesting uh, presentation to one of the big thoroughbred breeders clubs back in Lexington. You can you can Google Larry Bramlage and it'll ta- he talks about bone metabolism. It's about a forty five minute talk. I don't have the address right now, but you can YouTube it and it, it's still available. And he talks about the thoroughbred racehorse and and how these catastrophic injuries occur. And so thoroughbreds always get, get the rap for having, you know, weak legs or whatever because they do break down. And the challenge is the way that we train them. So let's back up just a second. So we think about this as a very high percentage of, of thoroughbreds and quarter horses that are on a miprazole. I wouldn't say everyone, but I would say an exceedingly high percentage. Then we throw in the mix of the way we train them. And so what Bramlage talks about in the study is very interesting. He says, you can take a wire and bend it two or three times and it won't break. But if you bend that wire successively over and over and over and over, eventually it's going to break. There's physics there. 
And so with thoroughbred racehorse, what we do is we will gallop them in a straight line. And so we're putting these stresses on these bones over and over and over again. And much like that wire, we're going to break that. And the studies, the clear studies that have been shown here recently in the recent, say, three or four years, is that we, we, can, we can gallop them in a straight line at a steady pace for about three furlongs. That's all we can do. We've got to back them off. We've got to either trot them or we've got to walk them or we've got to turn them around. And, and the reason that we don't see these catastrophic injuries in, in other disciplines, jumping horses, polo horses, reining horses, you know, endurance horses. I mean, think about how, how far they ride in a, in a given day. It's because we're varying the gait. We're varying the terrain. We're, we're stopping them, starting them. They're going uphill, downhill, canter, walk, trot, going through creeks. I mean, we're changing this exercise management so we're not bending that wire the same way. Let's add to that a couple of drugs that weaken bones. So we're going to add Prilosec or uh, Ulcer Guard. And a lot of horses are getting a, a class of drugs called bisphosphonates. One of them is children. It's been around a long time. And there's a, a new, newer one out now is Osphos. It increases bone density, but it probably decreases bone strength. And there's a lot of a lot of people that are looking at these very, very critically now. We used them for navicular horses a long time ago, and we were seeing some pretty good results. How it works and why it works, nobody knows. It's the same class of drugs that we use for postmenopausal women. That they're called bisphosphonates. Boniva is one of them that you see advertised all the time. Well, you can only do that once a year or twice a year. Same with a horse. So this is a perfect storm, okay? We're, we're exercising these horses in a way that puts them at risk. We're giving them two completely different drugs that probably, I say probably, weaken bones. And then we get into some train wrecks. So wow. I, I think we got, we got a perfect storm here. And that, I think, and I can't prove it, but I think this is what's happening. Well, doctor, if, if obviously if Dr. Siemens is on board, there's something going on, but if Dr. Bramlage is on board, he, I mean, he's the racehorse vet of all racehorse vets. So well, he interesting. Now, he, doesn't, he, he, he doesn't talk about amiprazole and he doesn't talk about bisphosphonate, phosphonates. Okay. This, this, that, this talk is probably three or four years old now. He, he's the one that talks about the, the training methods and that's what weakens mm-hmm. these bones. And he also presents some really good evidence to suggest that we need to start two-year-olds because we will actually increase bone strength by recruiting the types of bone cells that, that just add higher quality bone. So yeah. more, more so than if we hold off until they're, until they're three or four, that's a whole other topic. But what I'm saying is that you put all three of these things together, these two drugs and then the way these horses are trained, I, I think that it may not be it may not be any bullets in that gun but it's sure smoking right now it is well there's definitely a lot going on in the thoroughbred racing world and uh we will have to just sit back and kind of see what's going to happen smarter people than us are working on it but as always dr siemens i love having you on it's always educational it's always interesting and remember y'all y'all can if you like the way that he talks, you'll like the way that he writes because he has a book. Why don't you tell everybody about the book? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, the, the name of the book is Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and Other Things They Did Not Tell Me in Veterinary School. And it's uh, it's it's just sort of a cheeky look at how and why we do the things we do. Uh, it's There's practice anecdotes. There's um, there's hard science and and, and what happens when we do treat them? What happens when we don't treat them? It took me about 20 years to write it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, 
I've had some people tell me it was a pretty good read. My wife likes it, but she's prejudiced. <laughs> you, can get it, you can get it at my website, cornerstoneequine.com. There's only one E between Cornerstone and Equine. It's in its third printing and available now. Fantastic. Dr. Siemens, again, thank you so much. CornerstoneEquineVet.com. Thank you for coming on. You're the best. Talk to you soon. Y'all are so good to me. I really appreciate it. Y'all be good. Remember, we've had so much rainfall in the U.S. and bugs, bugs, bugs are the problem. Oh, my gosh. The amount of horse flies and flies that people are dealing with is crazy. So protect your equine friends with Cashel Company's full line of chemical-free fly protection. The Cashel Company's Crusader Fly Mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from insects, and it blocks 70% of UV rays, available in an array of sizes and styles. Cashel Company's Crusader line of fry Fly protection is a chemical-free alternative to fly sprays that can contain chemicals. They're expensive. How, how many times do you spray your horse, Joy? And, like, literally to insult you, a fly lands right where you sprayed it. It's offensive. So they don't last long. So the Crusader line by Cashel Company can protect your horse from head to hoof, available in fly mask, fly sheets, fly boots, and the unique adjustable design for the fly boots helps reduce stomping caused by insect induced stress and it fits any horse in the barn. So for more information on Cashel products, visit one of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit cashelcompany.com. Stay connected by following them also on Facebook and Instagram. Well, you guys remember that coming up all too soon is the Thoroughbred Makeover at the Kentucky Horse Park. It's October 2nd through the 5th presented by Thoroughbred Charities of America. And so we've been wanting to highlight different people that are involved in it. And man, I have an interesting chick. Please welcome Marcy Grushalak. Marcy is a RRP Spotlight Rider of the Week. And, and you've done some interesting stuff. And you are definitely a makeover, I guess, a pro. I mean, you've been there three <laughs> times, right? Yep. Yeah, I was there. In 2016, 2017, and then this year in 2019. What happened in 2018? You get lazy? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found that my horse that I had in 2017 was my heart horse. So I took the year Aww. off, focused on him. And now I'm starting up again with American Lioness this year. Okay, well, that's yeah, like so, the best excuse ever. Yeah, right? I love my horse too much. <laughs> so tell us about American Lioness. So American Lioness is a smaller thoroughbred. She's 15-1. Um, she's six years old, and she won one race. And um, she's a small bay, um, really nice, really easy to work with, super athletic, picks up on things really quickly, super sweet, never has given me any grief about anything that would put me in an unsafe issue with her. Where do people find her. horses like that? I am it's just what? you, Jamie. It's just you. <laughs> <laughs> she's I mean, like she'll be so perfect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, she's for sale. See, you, you're not letting us know the real grit. That's what it is. <laughs> well, I can't keep them all, unfortunately. Of course. Of course. Now, uh, you, what are you planning on to compete her in? So I am working, hopefully, to compete in barrels, and then um, Western Dressage is up in the air for us. Gotcha. Okay, so we've got 
that horse did barrels. Now, this is what I found amazing is that you're, you know, gunning for the barrels this year. What did you do two years ago? I did um, freestyle and competitive trail. So yeah. we've got competitive trail. We've got freestyle. We've got Western dressage. We've got barrels. And uh, also you did 2016, I believe, in competitive trail and freestyle as well, right? Correct. And what is, and that was Simon Says, which is like mm-hmm. a fantastic racehorse name. What is Simon Says doing now? So after the makeover, because Simon Says sold and he is now an eventing horse, his owner actually um, takes him to college with her and she rides on the equestrian team at her college also. Oh my gosh. His name is because Simon Says, and he went to college with the girl. Like that's everybody's dream to take their horse to college. So, you know, I, what I, what I got out of this is, uh, you, you, these thoroughbreds are so versatile, obviously, but your current heart horse, as you said, tell what he does now for a living. So my heart horse, his name is funny bunny B. He is my main mounted shooting horse, so I shoot main match on him, which is revolvers. You shoot the first five balloons um, with a single action revolver. They're, they have like a, um, a uh, it's just powder in a wad and it's crimped and then it can only go up to 20 feet, the, the ammo. So we shoot the first five balloons with the first gun, do a gun change, and then we shoot the second five balloons. And then we also um, have started shooting shotgun this year. So we shoot our first five balloons with a um, revolver. And then our second five balloons, we shoot with a shotgun. So I actually have to let go of the reins to hold my shotgun with both hands. Good Lord. I'd be in. She is a Western girl. She is. And then the same horse, (laughs) Funny Bunny B, has done a competitive trail ride, a 30-mile endurance ride, and he's going to his first rodeo. So, you know, uh, you are the queen of getting uh, the most out of your horse and your thoroughbred and your racehorse. Do you get funny looks taking a thoroughbred to things like that, or is it pretty okay to do that now? Um, I still get some funny looks. I like to ask strangers before and after what they think of a thoroughbred in the sport. So I did it a lot in endurance. Um, I actually did a takeover for OTTB Western and like covered my whole endurance ride on their page. And um, I would ask people before, I'm like, what do you think about thoroughbreds in the sport? And they'd be like, no, no go. Like, I don't think this will happen. Or I think they have a chance. And then after because Funny Bunny B placed in the top 10 in endurance, I would ask him again, <laughs> okay, what do you think now about my horse in endurance? Boom, so mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> well, Marcy, where can people keep up with you? I do believe you are blogging your makeover journey on Horse Nation, right? Yep, I am blogging American Lioness's journey on Horse Nation. Funny Bunny B has his own Facebook page, or you Aww. can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Fantastic. Marcy, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you at the makeover girl. Yeah. All right. See you then. Well, of course it wouldn't be a classic retired racehorse radio without our equestrian must have. Sonia, what do we have today? Today I wanted to touch on some of our favorite riding boots, new and old for English and Western riders. Our selection isn't as huge as some of our other sections, but we're truly proud to carry each and every one. So I'm going to start in the English tall tall boot department. This year, we got in the new Mountain Horse Sovereign tall boots. Drooling over those. Right? (laughs) Yeah. 
it's that beautiful chocolate brown color. And even more recently, we got in the Mountain Horse Luxe Tall Boots in black. So when people think of tall boots, they probably think area or custom boots. But in my opinion, the Mountain Horse deserves some recognition because in my experience, this brand is so durable. And now that they've upped what I call the look at how pretty those are factor, you just can't go wrong. Exactly. I mean, especially custom boots are so expensive. They're a great investment. Don't get me wrong. But for some of us who might have multiple horses or a husband who checks our bank accounts, the mountain horse is a good way to go. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And for paddock boots, though, I'd have to go with the classic Ariat Heritage laces zip boots. Mine have lasted through so many adventures in the saddle and out of the saddle. And Ariat didn't get its name for nothing. So their paddock boots are comfortable for hours on end, durable, functional. I personally prefer lace-up because I go through zippers like nobody's business, but the zippers sure are convenient. I agree with that one. I think my Ariats are going on their third year now, so it's definitely a good investment with Mm -hmm. that brand. Mm -hmm. Yep. Years and years. So on the Western side, in terms of cowboy boots, we've got, you know, everything we carry. I'd say, you know, my favorite has to be the Ariat Bantams. So on top of being a really good looking boot, they actually have a lighter outsole than the typical cowboy boot without sacrificing the the durability you associate with Ariat. So we actually have men and women's versions of these with some beautiful patterns. So that you're going to ride in them, go out in them. It's just an incredibly versatile boot. And those are the Ariat Bantams. Very cool. I might have to get some for my husband. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's a great husband boot for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you again, Sonia. There's so many boots to try out and look at on ridingwarehouse.com. You can check it all out there and make sure to check out their clearance section too. I've gotten some really good bargains there. So again, it's www.ridingwarehouse.com. Sonia, thank you so much for coming on. Well, Joy, we have time for a training question from one of our listeners. And Haley wants to know, how do you get a horse comfortable with clippers? She says, my horse goes mental, particularly when they're on his neck, close to his face. And TJ said, oh, same with my horse. So what would you do for clippers? So I've definitely been in this boat. (laughs) The first thing is patience. At least in my experience, I do the clicker training with my horses and I have my little black Arabian. Some of our auditors might've seen her. She would rear up with the clicker or the clippers every time. And luckily she's not a 17 hand horse. So it made it a little bit more manageable. But what I started doing is just five minute sessions of getting used to it each day I could get out there. So I might just have the clippers going near her. And when her head is kind of down and relaxed, I would click and reward that relaxation moment. Get a little bit closer the next time, click, treat, move on. And eventually I'd start in areas that I knew she was a little bit more comfortable with. Like just resting it on her shoulder so she could feel the vibration, hear the noise. And once she would relax, click, treat, move on and slowly work my way up. Cause it's always the ears, the face that we just get this big old, you know, fire breathing dragon moment. But if you slowly keep doing it, one, it's exposure, but also they're like, Oh, if I'm staying relaxed, I get a treat. So I, this is the method that has worked for me. All my horses have clipped fine doing this method. It does take a little time, but it keeps us both safe. 
And Jamie, I'm sure you've had the same experience with horses who are just not okay with getting clipped. You know, the most challenging one I had was a Mustang that I got and I I adopted him in February, but his freeze brand had been shaved. So they Mm. clipped the freeze brand to, to make sure that they're who they are supposed to be or whatever. And, uh, I thought, well, sweetie clips. So I take him home and I've got to, you know, I've got to get him clipped because I was living in Arizona and he's a big wild woolly mammoth Mustang, you know, and I'm like, we got to get you clipped. And I clipped him until I, girl, let me tell you what happened. I could not get that clipper anywhere near that freeze brand area that had been clipped before. And obviously whatever they did to get him clipped was a really bad experience to the point where he was like striking, you know, and, and it is so I I don't give horses treats. I don't click and give Mm -hmm. treats. I don't want a horse taking food from me. I don't want them ever. I know that there's ways around that in clicker training, but I can't speak to that at all um, because I feel like they will eat my fingers. So (laughs) what I do, first of all, it's about kind of getting your horse used to anything coming near their face. You know, uh, what happens is we've got the the clippers in our hand and we've got the lead rope in our left hand, the clippers in our right. And we're like, come here, please Mm. stand still. And you're just like creating all this tension. So what you got to do is try to think about what, what else can I put on his face? You know? And so I really am a big fan of plastic bags on a stick. Okay. Yeah. You, you start with just a stick and you can touch them all over with that and then flip the stick around, have some plastic bags like balled up in a rubber band, you know, and so, you know, put them on their withers, use approach and retreat is very important for this approach with the plastic bag, a retreat approach. Why does approach and retreat work, you guys? Because a predator never retreats. So you're proving to them time and time again that you are not a predator because you retreat. Make that plastic bag bigger. Get it to where you can touch them all over with the plastic bag, including their ears, you know, until you make it bigger and bigger and bigger. Until you can drape those plastic bags over their ears on the edge of a stick and under their face. That's not going to make anything seem like that big a deal after that. But... They do have trouble with the buzzing and the electric and the noise mm-hmm. and the vibration. And so, oh my God, this is like super Monty Roberts. I, I, he was the one who showed me how to do this. And this horse Thor that struck, I didn't want to stand near him with a freaking pair of clippers. No, thank you. So what did we do? I took a really long stick and I duct taped an electric toothbrush to the end of it. And I've got like basically what you did with the plastic on the stick, you do with an electric toothbrush on a mm-hmm. stick. You can go to Walmart people and you can buy them for like $2 and 50 cents. Mind you, you will never brush your teeth with it after this, but it is a fantastic way to desensitize them and get them used to the vibration and the buzzing and the noise. And you're far enough away to where you're not imposing in their space. You're not creating tension, approach and retreat on the withers is their little sweet spot. That's where their mama rubbed them. So always kind of rub behind the withers and then expand that, make it bigger circles. You should see me talking with my hands, Joy. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so make that spot bigger. And then eventually, you know, you've got that toothbrush on a stick. You're standing kind of at a 45 degree angle off their shoulders and you slowly take it up their neck and back down mm-hmm. or just in front of their withers and back down and then up their neck and back down and just incrementally get further and further up till you've got that toothbrush almost behind their ear and back down. And if they move, if you're like, get it halfway up their neck and they start moving, leave it there, leave it there, leave it there. Once they stand still, take it away. So they learn that the takeaway 
is I, you know what? As soon as I stand still, I, you know, I know how to make that go away. I'm going to be real still, you know, and then you all of a sudden they're okay with it. So just keep in, uh, keep in mind that you want to move, approach and retreat, slowly getting everything incrementally better and, um, and, and just, you know, there. And so basically once you get, you can get an electric toothbrush all around their face, the clippers, no big deal. So just think about that. Keep trying that. And uh, if you guys have any questions, of course you can reach out to joy uh, or I at uh, horse radio network is our, our, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com, joy at horseradionetwork.com. And uh, you, if you have any questions, I get videos from people all the time. What do I do? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I I will consult for absolutely minimum charges. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just for, the video. We do it for free because yeah, we like you guys. Free, I love doing <laughs> so, uh, if you have any questions, definitely let us know. But good luck, Haley and TJ. The jeans, people, the jeans, that's all about the jeans. Can I tell you a little bit about my very favorite thing about smooth stride jeans? I think I failed to mention this on the last episode, but the best thing about these jeans is that there is a cell phone pocket on top of your thigh. How many times do you put your dang cell phone in your back pocket and you get on your horse and the cantle of the saddle shoves the phone up and then you go trotting off and then the freaking phone falls out of your pocket hits the ground and then maybe Zeus steps on oh, that was me but maybe something <laughs> happens and then your screen is cracked save your screens people put it in your smooth stride jeans what's great about smooth stride too is that they have no inseam there's like inside of your thighs there's no lumps and bumps uh, I mean you know unless that's your thigh no lumps and bumps from the jeans <laughs> At all. Was that TMI? Am I talking about myself too much, Joy? (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. going. Well, (laughs) so I just want to say there's the, they're also higher in the back. How, I'm sorry. I have hit an age where I cannot show my butt crack when I bend over to pick a hoof. I need things covered. I need coverage. And there's, they're higher in the back than they are the front, which is fantastic. You have the plain riding jeans, which are no leather, the extended knee patch, which it's kind of like a, like a knee patch breeches, but they go from your knee patch area all the way down. And then full seats sizes range from four to 22. There's something for everyone. And again, there's no God, the cell phone pocket. You don't have to worry about your cell phone just right on top of your thigh. So check them out. Smooth stride. Com. That's smoothstride.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the new vocations Winner Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, it's an amazing time for our new vocations, Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. And we have a very special horse for you. We have Jennifer Daniels from the Ohio Center for New Vocations to bring us our standard bread. We don't talk t- too much about them, but we will be getting more into it in the fall. But Jennifer, tell us about Bikini Breeze. Bikini Breeze is really young gelding. He's been with us a while. And I have to remind myself, he is very young. He's only four. And I, he seems like this oh, old soul, curmudgeonly uncle. I don't know how to describe him. Like crusty old man who's a big softy <laughs> on the inside. I, it just helps me in the training to assign these personalities, I guess. But uh, he's he's a little bit more challenging. And I, I thought about featuring a horse that maybe was that unicorn that's, 
you can look at and identify with right away and just know intuitively what the horse is because they're easy. And this horse isn't, he's really complex. And I think a lot of horsemen love and crave a horse like that, that maybe makes them think a little bit more in their training. So I, I don't want to call him challenging. He's actually kind of fun for someone who knows what they're doing, but you have to be a, maybe a thoughtful rider to get along with this horse because he's got uh, like constant trust issues. <laughs> like, oh, I don't okay. think you can make too many mistakes with him. He needs someone who's fair and firm and he's not going to do well with someone emotional and theatrical and like all the things mm-hmm. that women usually do and loud and angry because you know he's, he's what he's mad about is he's just mad that his name sounds like a college girl's you know hunch punch he's like <laughs> that's right he wants respect and dignity that's all yeah and he's like my name is bikini breeze somebody name me thor and get me out of here but you know what <laughs> at least at least he has the decency of being called rocky at the barn. And I love that about him. And I, I just love how flashy he is because he doesn't have, and this sounds kind of bad, but the stereotypical standard bread head, he looks kind of warm blood. Like he's a flashy horse that would look really nice in the show ring. I agree. He's got a presence about him in the barn. He's mm-hmm. like, he's very dominant. He's very authoritative. Yeah. He wants to be taken seriously. That's him. Yeah. Uh, see, that's it. That's all he wanted. Somebody, you know, at least yeah. he's rock. And <laughs> bikini breeze. Poor guy. He has a gender identity issue. That's well, his you problem. Know, and the hard thing, too. So his dam is Miss Bikini Beach, but his dad's name is World of Rock and Roll. I <laughs> mean, that's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> kind of okay, got the so short end. Rocky and all the training problems disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh well no he's very handsome he's very well put together and i love people and i haven't been able to do it yet i've never had the opportunity to retrain a standard bread how similar is it to retraining an off-the-track thoroughbred uh, not it's not very similar <laughs> it's a whole different set yeah a can of worms They've never had a rider on their back, so most of their, if you want to call it fear issues or anxiety, is really in that initial mounting process, just getting on their back for the first time, and they really turn, for as well-trained as they are, they they get a little scared, you know, and they need the reassurance, and they really need a confident rider that first, maybe first two rides even. Just like any horse, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then they have this huge wealth of knowledge behind them, so it goes really fast. You're just filling in these these gaps, these holes. But the first few rides, they need somebody really confident, well-balanced that lends their energy to to the horse. Right, but I'm I'm assuming it's similar to uh, thoroughbred, too. You know, those guys, these guys at least have how to turn and steer. You know, an off-the-track thoroughbred really doesn't even understand that, but neither one of them is going to understand leg pressure. So I I would imagine, you know, once you do get that first ride or a couple rides of being up behind their back, I think that, you know, they've probably got a little bit more in the, in the tank, you know, I have a little more experience, I would think. You know what I think about the contact though, the standard breads, they're used to like, like a dressage contact, like a real feel, just a few ounces of pressure on their mouth. And they come right back to you. Like they're so soft in the mouth with just a snaffle bit. And, and you don't have that with a thoroughbred, you know, it's speed. Everybody (laughs) has their talents. Yeah. 
Well, he's cute as the Dickens. Where can people go and see more about Bikini Breeze? Go to the newvocations.org website. He's listed now, and I expect him to be available for at least a week or two yet. Perfect. Well, best of luck to Bikini Breeze getting a new mama and a new home. He is cute as can be. And thank you for coming on and, and telling us about the Standard Breads. We will be touching base more. Yes. All righty. Thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at retiredracehorseradio.com and like us on Facebook and Instagram. I'll tell you what, I'm on Facebook, Joy's on Instagram because she's younger and prettier and cooler. Uh, You can also just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter or follow Joy on Twitter. (laughs) I'm not on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Glenn, follow Glenn. Follow Glenn on Twitter. On Twitter at Horse. I'm just giving you guys a real perspective on who is behind <laughs> all of this, okay? Because I am, pr- I'm like one social media is all I can handle, but Joy is young and has faster thumbs than I do. So again, follow Glenn on Twitter at Horse Radio. Jamie's email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com and mine is joy at horseradionetwork.com or as she said, I'm on Instagram as all the young kids are. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Writing Warehouse, Smith Dry Jeans, and Cashel Products. And don't forget to check out all the other amazing shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Please don't forget to set your goals high and learn to love from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Love you guys. <laughs>